ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. Pardon the interruption, but I'm Mike Wilbon. It's National Get to Know Your Customers Day, Tony. Is there anything you'd like to ask our viewers? I'm Tony Kornheiser. How many of you weren't born when this show started? How many? Fascinated with age. Fascinated with who's old enough to know what we're talking about. Well, the answer from you most of the time when you mention Loretta Young is nobody but me, <laughs> right? Nobody yeah. but me. Welcome Just to PTI, you. boys and girls. In today's episode, Nick Sirianni talks with his bosses, Jim Harboy interviews with the Falcons, and Brian Windhorst joins us for five good minutes. But we begin today with breaking news in the NBA. The Indiana Pacers are reportedly finalizing a trade to acquire two-time All-Star forward Pascal Siakam, from the Toronto Raptors, the Raptors will receive Bruce Brown, Jordan Wara, and three first-round picks from Indiana, two this year, one in 2026. Wilbon, what does this deal tell you about both teams? Well, Tony, we know Toronto's in full rebuild mode, and they got a few years to do this. They won a championship in 19, Kawhi Leonard didn't resign. They tried to go after it once, and now they're saying, okay, we're going to set this aside. The draft is how you acquire great players. I mean, just, 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 just look at the Pacers who we now move to, starting with Tyrese Halliburton, who has one hell of a running mate now with Siakam. And you got Buddy Heald, who's shooting now, should take him off the market because you're going to need to sort of space the floor and keep him and what he does. The Pacers, Tony, look, I know they have no sort of defensive identity at all, but Siakam is a good defensive player. He probably becomes their best defensive player just by stepping in the locker room and onto the floor. I, I really like what the Pacers have done. I don't, they, they're not going to catch Milwaukee or Boston with this move. Could they conceivably catch past the Knicks? Yeah. Could they contend with Joel Embiid in Philly? Maybe. It's going to be a very entertaining team. I mean, Siakam's off the free agent market. One would think you would think he would sign with the Pacers, stay there, not available to Golden State, not available to the Lakers or Philly or other teams that might look at him. This is a big, bold move by the Pacers. I like it, and I think it moves the Pacers up to where they can threaten to be third in the East. Threaten. Well, you know much more about this than I do. I will concede that when I heard about this this afternoon, my first thought was, what is Toronto doing? Siakam is the last person on the team from the championship team. So now they have nobody from that team, and they don't have the coach from that team. They traded Ananobi to the Knicks. The Knicks got immediately better. Siakam will make the Pacers immediately better. They average, Mike, they average 125.6 points per game, which is the highest scoring team in the entire league. They will now average 145 points a game, and they will give up (laughs) 144.8 because that's pretty much what they do. Look, this is the only way that Indiana can get better. They have to trade because they're not going to get free agents. It's just not how it works. They traded Sabonis and they got Halliburton. They're probably happy with that. They may be trying to replicate 
Sabonis in Siakam now. And, you know, and good for them because they're going for it now. Good they for are. them. Yeah. And, Tony, Rick Carlisle, as a coach, knows what he's doing. He's wearing something we call a championship ring. Not from Indiana, from Dallas. But Rick knows Dallas. what he's doing. He knows how to deploy these guys. Again, I, I don't know that many people will be as high on the Pacers as I am now. Because, again, they're not going to – this move doesn't enable them to catch Boston and Milwaukee. But they're going to be fun to watch. They're going to beat some people, and some people are going to struggle to stop them. Staying in Philly, Jeff McClain of the Philadelphia Inquirer reports that Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni is spending the day on exit interviews with players and coaches before eventually meeting with owner Jeffrey Lurie and GM Howie Roseman. Tony, after seeing the Eagles just melt away, should Sirianni's job be in jeopardy just a year after he led his team to the Super Bowl? On the record, no. I mean, he's been there three years. He went 9-8, and 14-5, and five, and 11-6. and six. That's 34-17, and 17, and he got to the Super Bowl, and you're going to fire this guy? But the fact is that the team completely cratered. They lost six out of their last seven, including a terrible performance in a playoff game on Monday night. They appeared to be indifferent in that game. Jalen Hurts, there were shots of him sitting alone on the bench. Like, he wasn't even concerned about what was going on. He went from an MVP candidate that I touted for two years to total mediocrity. In those seven games, he's got six touchdown passes and five interceptions. Is that the coach's fault? Is that his fault? But if I go back to the question, should his job be in jeopardy? Mike, every single person on that team and the organization, their job should be in jeopardy. Okay? I mean, this was... A terrible result. It looks like a terrible systemic problem there. And I guess you could fire every coach except Sirianni, but what's the point in that? What's the point? Yeah, Tony, I don't know that there would be a point in that. But, you know, this is a franchise that, starting with Andy Reid, has let a couple of coaches go after getting to the Super Bowl. I mean, the patience That's right. is not synonymous That's with right. Philadelphia sports. It just isn't. And so you know this is what they do. There would be a lot more patience in other cities with other franchises, and Lurie's not going to be guilty of that necessarily. Tony, I look at it and I go, okay, can you get the spirit back in that locker room, in, that, in those offices with that franchise if Sirianni comes back there? Can you go into the, 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 the off-season you know, uh, camps know. and the training camp and say, okay, this guy, we're going to run it back with him leading the operation, not, and right. we're going to not change. If, not I, if he lost the locker room. Not if right, he lost Tony. the locker room, you can't. Right. And no, I, yeah. so, so I can't believe I'm saying, yes, his job could be in jeopardy, but, yeah, it could be in jeopardy. Probably should. Yeah, be. it could be. All right, let's move to NFL coaching interviews. The Atlanta Falcons have already interviewed Bill Belichick and Jim Harbaugh for their open job. They've interviewed five other candidates as well, but for the purposes of this question, they may as well be on the moon. Wilbon, do you like Atlanta's chances of landing either Belichick or Harbaugh? Not really, Tony, because we talk all the time about how, and, and we certainly have guests who know what they're talking about, who know this is a quarterback league. It's a quarterback-driven That's league right. more than ever before, and you have to have one. And Atlanta doesn't have that. Now, they could make a trade and have one that is, appeals to these coaches. But in the cases of Belichick and Harbaugh, they, they weren't being interviewed. They interviewed. They take this interview because of the respect of the owner 
that they have, but they were doing the interviewing. They're sitting there going, okay, I'm, I'm here. I'm sitting here in Atlanta with you or wherever they met because a G6 took them there. And they say, why should I right. come here? Tell me what it right. is about your organization, your franchise, your locker room, your culture. Why should I even think about coming to coach you? Convince me. That's where Belichick and Harbaugh are. The others are being interviewed. Yeah, you're right. You're 100% right about a quarterback. They don't have a quarterback. Belichick just spent three years without a quarterback, and now he doesn't have a job. Harbaugh had a lot of success in the NFL, and I believe he had Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick, who are much better than what Atlanta has right now. So the question for Atlanta is this. Do you trade for Russell Wilson? Do you trade for Justin Fields? Do you sign Kirk Cousins as a free agent? Because neither of these guys is going there if you don't have a big-time quarterback. I mean, it, it really is that simple. You can't, yeah. you can't win without it. Nobody wants to spin their wheels. Are, are, do they make that kind of move? It, honestly, Mike, if I'm Belichick, I'm sort of waiting on Dallas. Uh, my mentor, Bill Parcells, went to Dallas. Maybe you can win in Dallas. I, but I don't, I don't see the attraction of Atlanta. And I don't think Tony, you do either. I don't it, either. I don't. Maybe Arthur Blank has something to say, to whisper in their ear, to, to, to make it seem more yeah, attractive. quarterbacks. Like name. we're going to get one of those quarterbacks yes. you mentioned. But, Tony, the okay. Chargers have a young quarterback, Justin and they got Herbert. defensive right. studs. They got a couple of guys on defense yeah. going to a place called Canton. So, I, I, yeah, I so you know, there are other right. places that those two coaches could go where the pieces and Dallas is one, seem to be in place. Let's take a break. Coming up, what's the significance of Joel Embiid and the Sixers beating Nikola Jokic in the Nuggets last night? We're going to ask Brian Windhorst. We'll also ask him about the choices the Lakers face as they creep toward the trade deadline. Hey, Wilbon, your boy Grayson Allen had nine threes last night for yes. Phoenix. Pardon the Interruption is presented by Grey Goose. Vive la vodka. Please sip responsibly. Part of happy hour. <clears throat> ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Pardon the Interruption, presented by Grey Goose, part of Happy Hour. Let's get back into the NBA with our great friend ESPN senior NBA writer Brian Windhorse. Brian, let's start with this. The Pacers are reportedly landing Pascal Siakam. How does that change the East in your mind? Well, the Pacers are getting a high-level player. Siakam has been all-NBA twice. He's not a number one. 
but they're hoping they have a number one in Tyrese Halliburton. And they're getting that guy without giving up any of their core rotation players. Not even Ben Matherin, who's Canadian and is one of their one of the best bench players in the league. So for the Pacers to be able to acquire a player like this, yes, they're giving up some draft picks, but 2024 draft picks are not highly valued. It's a big hit for them. I think it definitely brings them into contention to get into that top four. And that's what you want to do. You, there's those three teams in the East that are sort of a cut above everybody else. The fight is really for home court in the first round. And I think the Pacers, once Tyrese Halliburton gets ready, will, will, will be able to try to chase that right now. Yeah, Tony. Brian and I might be spending a little more time in Indianapolis than we originally thought. Uh, Brian, let's go to last night's matchup between Joker and Embiid, which was completely fabulous. I want to ask you your takeaway from that matchup, but also if you had any issue with Embiid saying to Joker, you're the best in the world. You are the best guy right now. I'm trying to get what you've got. How did you feel about that and that matchup? Well, okay, so I don't really – Obviously, I think that Embiid is being sincere when he's praising him. But a couple of days ago, Embiid said he didn't really care about not winning the MVP if he didn't play 65 games, which is the new rule. And I can tell you, that's just not true. Of course he cares about the MVP. Does he care about it more than winning a title? No, but he wants the MVP. And he believes in himself, too. And he believes, probably, I mean, I can't say for sure, I'm not in his head, but the Joel Embiid that I know believes there's nobody better in the world than him. So he thinks he can beat him. He's beaten him several times in the last uh, season. And I'll tell you, like, one of the great disappointments of last year was Philly letting that series with Boston go through their fingers because Embiid really couldn't finish strong. Maybe it was because of his knee, maybe because of something else. They let that series go. I think Philly beats Atlanta, and I think Philly is better equipped to compete in the finals than just about any team in the East against Jokic. So, like, I don't think Philly's going to beat Boston this year. I think they're a cut below them. We'll see what they do at the deadline. But I think that th- that would be an incredible finals. And I think I would love watching them go up against each other. And, you know, we had something amazing in the NBA happen last night. We had those two guys going against each other, three MVPs between them, playing like MVPs, big, giant, old-fashioned, huge men in basketball. And then if you turned over to the Suns-Kings game, you saw Kevin Durant playing center, leading a 22-point comeback against Demonis Sabonis, who had a triple-double playing a completely different game, which just shows you the variety of talent that we have in the NBA today. Yeah, variety of talent and size, too. Um, Let me go to the Clippers, something that was happening across the street from where I sit right now, who beat the Thunder last night in another thrilling game. 18-4 and the Clippers are since the start of December, Brian. James Harden... God help us, says he's happy. What do you see from the Clippers right now? Are they a serious threat to Denver in the West? Yes, they're a serious threat to win the entire thing. I was at three Clipper games last week. The spirit on that team is spectacular. They feel great. They're playing great. They're deep. They can play a bunch of different ways. Kawhi looks spectacular. Paul George looks spectacular. I know James Harden's happy. I'm not sure he was exactly thrilled that Kawhi took a contract that was for less than the max years and less than the max dollars because that's going to impact him this summer. But I think he does re-sign there for a number of years and for big money. And I think the Clippers, if they can stay healthy, and that's the biggest if maybe in the NBA, they got a great chance to win it all. All right, Brian, we'll get you out of here on this. The 20-21 and 21 Lakers, they host the Mavericks tonight. Anthony Davis has said 
that this nearly two-week stretch of playing, I guess, at home in L.A. will be vital to their hopes of contending down the road. What do you see as the Lakers' potential courses of action? Well, they definitely need to try to do something to upgrade the roster. The team is just, frankly, not as good as what they thought. Um, you know, last year was a set of circumstances that doesn't seem to be repeating. So, guys, they have two things they can really trade that have value. One is, their tw- is their, they have one first-round pick they can trade either in 29 or 30, and they have Austin Reeves. And it's not that Austin Reeves is necessarily an all-star yet, but his contract relative to his talent is very positive. So what they should, their goal should be, can they upgrade this roster without giving up both? And if they can do that, I think they will try to do that try to get into the playoffs, and then make a puncher's chance with LeBron and AD. That's what they did last year. But they need more offense. And Darvin Ham has been all over the place. He just changed the starting lineup again, trying to figure out a way to stitch this team together so that they can score. So if they make a move, it's also got to be something that helps them offensively. Thank you, Brian, as always. Thank Brian, you. Brian, appreciate it. Let's take one last break, but still to come, the Edmonton Oilers are on a heater. And could we see another number one team go down tonight when UConn hosts number 18, Creighton? Did Brian just talk about trading a number one pick in 2029 or 2030? That's what they got. Did he actually say that? That's That's all they got. 20 years from now. Hey, Oklahoma. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu. Pardon the Interruption is presented by Grey Goose. Feed la vodka. Please sip responsibly. Part of happy hour. Happy time, people. Happy 42nd birthday, Dwayne Wade. Normally, I would stay away from Wade's birthday because of your Pavlovian response to Wade, Wilbon. My man. Saying that you love him, declaring he's the second greatest shooting guard you've ever seen. Well, maybe but third, there is Wade maybe. news we have to acknowledge. The Miami Heat have announced their plans to immortalize Wade with a bronze statue outside their arena. Wade was on championship teams there with LeBron and before LeBron with Shaq. Pat Riley, the team president, said of Wade at halftime of last Sunday's game when plans for the statue were announced, and I'm quoting here, when we retired his jersey in February of 2020, I said Dwayne was the face of this franchise forever, and I meant it, unquote. Good for Pat Riley. Of course, he's right. Tony. You used to spend a lot of time in South Florida, and I think you'll agree with me that Dan Marino was probably atop the athletes, former athletes, people who meant the most to South Florida, Dan Marino. But there's got to be room for Dwayne Wade, who did all those things as a civic treasure and also won some championships. There's got to be room for both of them, right? I would think so, sure. As long as Marino is first. Come on. Happy anniversary, Bruce Arians. On this day 11 years ago, the Arizona Cardinals hired Arians, who was then officially the Colts' offensive coordinator. Arians had stepped in to coach the Colts when Chuck Pagano took time off to battle leukemia. Arians did so well, he was named AP Coach of the Year, the first time that award went to an interim coach. 
Arians went on to win that same award with the Cardinals. But Arians' greatest moment as a coach was winning the Super Bowl of Tampa Bay with Tom Brady as his quarterback. At 68 then, Arians is the oldest coach to win a Super Bowl. He's now a consultant with the Bucs and very enthusiastic about Brady's replacement, Baker Mayfield. Tony, the league is boring, more boring, less exciting without Arians, who I know you believe was engaging and fun, even yes. entertaining. He could be one of the sunshine yes. boys with Pete Carroll and Belichick, couldn't he? Yeah, but he promised me a hat and he never sent it. Happy trails to last night's game for the Maple Leafs. The Edmonton Oilers continued on their heater last night as they won a team record 11th straight game, beating Toronto 4-2. Edmonton was down 2-0, then scored four straight goals. They've trailed in seven of these 11 straight wins. Leafs coach Sheldon Keefe said, quote, they've been the best team in the league for the last two months by a mile, unquote. It started when they fired coach Jay Woodcroft and brought in Chris Knobloch. The Oilers were 3-9-1 when they made that change. They're 21-6 since. Tony, when you say team record for Edmonton, a franchise that has five Stanley Cups, I mean, that, that, that is a, a, a big deal for that franchise. Interesting to see how long they keep this going. We also want to express our sympathies over the passing of Warriors assistant coach Dejan Milojovic. The 46-year-old died after suffering a heart attack at a private team dinner in Salt Lake City. Milojovic joined Steve Kerr's staff in 2021 and worked with centers and forwards. He was closely associated with the early development of Nikola Jokic in Serbia. The NBA has postponed tonight's game between the Warriors and the Jazz. Yeah, Tony, it's, it's just an incredible thing that uh, Milojovic passed and had a heart attack at 46 years old. Quite a playing career, 15 years overseas, a guy that is really acknowledged and liked tremendously around the league. And you can understand why the Warriors are just jarred from this happening in front of them as this news spreads throughout the NBA. Completely understand. Let's go to the big finish if we could. The Kings blew a 22-point fourth-quarter lead. Lost to your sons. Explain that. It's hard to explain the Suns, Tony. They've been the worst fourth-quarter team in the NBA this season. And all of a sudden, they broke out of it last night. We'll see if they can stay out of it with all those guys healthy and playing and shooting it well. Alex Van Pelt says he's out as Brown's offensive coordinator. Does that make sense? No, they were 11-5. and five. They went through four quarterbacks. It can't be his fault. They did well. Stop it. Bernard Longer says this will be his final Masters this year. Your thoughts? I know he's 66 and he's missed a couple of cuts, but he also won the U.S. Senior Open last year. He wins still. I want to see him play. Number one, UConn hosts number 18, Creighton, tonight. Are you smelling upset? No, let's let a number one team continue. Last one, Wolves at Pistons tonight. Are you smelling upset? Nah, the Wolves have lost three straight. You know, it's that time of season. They need to see a homecoming opponent to get right. The Pistons are just that opponent. We are out of time. We will try and do better the next time. And I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mike Wilbon. Same time tomorrow, knuckleheads. Two countdowns tonight, ABC and ESPN. Check your local listings, as they used to say. Tony, you know about local listings. But if you're streaming, you I just... I get TV guides, still. I'm the only guy. <laughs>